Welcome to Feeding Frenzy, a podcast brought to you by the Breastfeeding Resource Center. The BRC is a nonprofit organization in Abington, Pennsylvania. We're here to provide support on various parenting topics to help you get through the roller coaster ride of parenting. I'm your host, Colette Acker. Let's take this journey together. Hello, Louisa and I are here today with Dr. Funke Ofalabi Brown. She is the owner of Restful Sleep MD, and she's a triple board certified sleep medicine physician. She's passionate about helping people discover sleep as their superpower. She is a clinician, speaker, consultant, and coach, and she helps people and their children prioritize sleep to thrive, achieve optimal health, and live to their fullest potential. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So sleep plays a huge role in your health. (laughs) Oh, yes, it does. Not only that, right? (laughs) Or lack of sleep, right? (laughs) So I'm going to be completely honest with you. I had never heard of a sleep medicine physician. So how did you angle your way in your career to this point? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I, I get that quite a number of times. So it's not just you. So, you know, I started off, you know, went through the, my medical training and then I did my uh, pediatrics uh, residency. So that's three years. After doing the pediatric residency, I now went on to do a, a fellowship in pulmonary medicine. So that's, you know, breathing and everything that's related to that. And that was another three years. And then I worked um, as a, a pulmonologist for a few years, but then I just kept getting that, uh, you know, that nudging to pursue sleep medicine because a lot of the patients that I was seeing in my pulmonary practice had sleep issues. And I thought that if I had a better understanding of sleep, by the way, throughout our entire medical training, maybe we get about two hours of training on sleep medicine. So this is something that there's just not much uh, out there. We hear um, this a lot tra- too. How much training yeah. on breastfeeding did you get? <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh, exactly. We just knew it was good. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's it. Figure it out. Yeah, that is so true. So I then went and did my sleep fellowship at at the University of Pennsylvania. And, you know, I just fell in love with it. I really saw that there was such a deficit in people's understanding of sleep, uh, of uh, understanding how beneficial sleep is. And so really I've made that my primary focus and, and that's how I've, that's how I'm here. That's great. So sleep orders, disorders can vary widely. Could you provide a little bit of an overview of the more common sleep disorders you encounter? Yeah. Yeah. So it all varies by age. Uh, so maybe we'll start with kids. A lot of young children, the primary issue they experience is what we call behavioral sleep issues. So 
these are the kids who maybe have a hard time falling asleep on their own. They need to be rocked. They need multiple feedings at night or the toddler that's constantly coming out of the room and there's bedtime battles and they end up, you know, sleeping in the parents' room and the parents land on the floor and everybody's just cranky. (laughs) Um, So the medical disorders like snoring and sleep apnea, which can occur in children as well. And it's often underdiagnosed because people just assume that, oh, He's just a heavy sleeper. That's why he's snoring. But sometimes it might be sleep apnea. And then, you know, we may get things like, uh, you know, narcolepsy or restless leg syndrome. So those are some other relatively common sleep issues. And then, you know, for children who maybe have developmental differences, so children with um, autism or ADHD, they also may have sleep issues. So we kind of put them under a slightly separate category, although they tend to have sleep apnea and restless leg syndrome as well. So that's for kids. Um, I think for adults, you know, we get a lot of the, you know, relatively bread and butter sleep apnea. So quite common, again, again, underdiagnosed. Um, and then, you know, we have things like restless leg syndrome, insomnia. Insomnia is a very common one, especially with women, uh, but also seen in men. And then, you know, narcolepsy is, an, you know, it's a little bit rarer, but it's definitely out there where you have just this profound excessive sleepiness that just doesn't seem to abate. Even after you've gotten enough sleep, you're just constantly sleepy. And it has some other uh, symptoms that are associated with it. And then, you know, in some situations, we might have things like um, what we call a delayed sleep phase syndrome. So these folks just have a hard time falling asleep at the normal time. So these are people who wouldn't be able to sleep before 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. And this is not because they're on their phones or they're just not able to. Um, And then they tend to have a hard time waking up in the morning. We also see that in teenagers, actually. It's relatively common in teenagers. So there's quite a number of sleep disorders And then, of course, if you have an underlying medical disorder, it may manifest as a sleep problem, right? So if you have anxiety or depression, you might just have difficulty sleeping too. So it's a wide range. Yeah. Is some of that, just like as I'm listening to, like I have teenage or early young, you know, teenage children and, and then someone like myself who's going through menopause. Do you find some of it is like hormone related that, like certain, like you see like toddlers, but like teenagers, my teenagers would sleep till three o'clock in the afternoon if I let them. And some of them go to bed at a reasonable hour. Some it's, you know, late, but like myself, I, you know, I try to get my sleep, uh, but menopause has really been impactful and it's obviously very hormone related. Do you find Mm -hmm. that like one of the common threads that you see? Yeah, so there are many factors that affect our sleep. So, you know, there's environmental factors, right? There may be things going on in the environment. There's social factors. Um, There's emotional and hormonal is a big one. So with teenagers, actually, around puberty, they have a shift. And that shift causes a delay in their circadian rhythm. So their brain produces melatonin like everybody else. But it seems like the production is, is delayed. So our teenagers, you know, you're wondering, you had this child who would be asleep by 8 p.m. And then now it's 1130 and they're just not sleepy. And, you know, it may not necessarily, again, be that they're trying to stay awake. They're just not able to because they have that delay. So that's one we see. Um, And then, yes, definitely within that perimenopause and menopause, 
period, there's such a change in hormonal levels with estrogen and progesterone. And all these hormones actually impact your sleep. Some sort of decrease, you know, if estrogen is low, it kind of decreases your, causes a decrease in your sleep quality, um, you know. So that might contribute to you having a hard time sleeping. And um, and also, you know, with all those changes, there are factors like physiologic factors. So you might start to notice the, the hot flashes or the mind racing or the palpitations. Um, and many times it happens at night. So it uh, contributes to your sleeping difficulties. So hormone, hormonal factors absolutely play a big role. And postpartum, obviously, yeah, right? We forgot that one. <laughs> Maybe that's waking, but... I yes. think also the, the the parent having these just unbelievable change of hormones. Yeah, yes. I, we should we should include that. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Working with new parents and babies um, while we are lactation consultants and they come to us for help in that area, sleep is the number two question. And so, you know, what types of things could you offer new parents if they're struggling? Yeah, I think the first thing is just validating this as a very hard time um, because their bodies are going through dramatic change. Um, their emotions, uh, most times they're sleep deprived and overwhelmed. Now you have a baby that maybe is not feeding well. So there's that emotional toll of you feeling like you're letting your baby down. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of that emotional um, burden is there. And then just the life transition. I, I, I clearly remember when I started, which was part of what motivated me to get into this work after I had my my first child. It was, it was life-changing in a good way, but it was also something that impacted my sleep and my mental health significantly, right? So I think the first thing is really just listening in um, being there because sometimes also these women are lonely. They're alone. Um, they don't have the right support. So being able to patiently lean in to see where they're struggling and then offer the strategies that they are bite-sized, right? Because I might as well say, oh yes, sleep when the baby sleeps until I'm blue in the face, but really, 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 right? And they feel guilty because they can't just drop off and sleep as soon as the baby zonks off, considering the baby just has a very irregular schedule. So, you know, so I think it's really supporting them in a very bite-sized fashion and tailoring the needs. So, for instance, I had a client, newborn, you know, mom was, you know, really, really starting to feel very anxious and depressed. And the issue was there was a cultural piece of it. She wasn't, you know, from around here. And so from her culture, it was more of the woman is just stoic and, you know, tries to do everything. And so really coming from a place of empathy. Yes, I understand this is where you're coming from. But, you know, let's be realistic. If you burn out um, completely, your baby's going to suffer and it's not going to be good for everybody. So changing that perspective while honoring what she felt were important and valuable to her. So I think that piece is always very important because we may come in and say, yes, I have all the answers, do X, Y, Z. But if they, if we don't um, buy their trust in that sense, or if we don't earn their trust, then it's going to be hard for us to get that over. 
So, you know, from that place, then we can then build on and say, okay, how can we practically make this happen? What does help look like for you? What does support look like for you? What does, what, where can we really outsource, right? Because I feel like as women, a lot of times it's doing too much because if the focus was just on me feeding myself, nourishing myself and nourishing the baby, then at least that's it, right? But no, you might be picking a toddler from after care. You might be, you know, trying to make meals and do laundry and do dishes and plan this, that, and the other, right? So we're looking at that very, very um, carefully um, because I want to make her feel empowered to be able to implement the things that I recommend, but not if she already has too many things on her plate or on their plate, right? So I think that's really the first piece. And then the second, then we can get into like, okay, the nuts and bolts of, okay, healthy sleep, how do we do this? And, and, you know, that may look like, yes, of course, it's going to be hard for you to drop everything and, and sleep, but maybe when the baby's taking a nap, maybe we just like make a, you know, a decision not to go into the kitchen to try to wash the bottles (laughs) maybe we just sit and just sit by the window and just relax or maybe when we wake up in the morning because this is so important um exposure to light it's also very important for the baby because they have a reversed circadian rhythm or a reversed day night cycle right they may be sleeping a lot more during the day and then they're awake at night so really getting mom and baby to go out or parents and baby to go out to you know go on a walk because it's good for the parents mood it's good for mom's mood i mean it also helps realign the baby's um, rhythms a bit and so we're getting two for the price of one um and we're also getting physical activity which is so helpful especially when women are struggling like this and it helps reduce the stress levels so when we're looking at those nuts and bolts we're also grouping it to say what is the what are the action steps that we can take that will give us the best bang for our buck and one of the ones I am always after, interestingly enough, <laughs> is outdoor time, outdoor time for the baby. Plus, you might be able to go to maybe a park and meet other moms who are in the same phase as you. So that way you're getting that social connection, which is really helpful for your mood and also can help your sleep. So we're investing in that way. Um, then, you know, of course, we're talking about what was she eating? Like moms forget during this time to even eat healthy, to drink, to stay hydrated, right? And so that just compounds on the fatigue, the feeling of just really exhausted. So we're talking about how can we build in, how can we make sure we have a big bottle of water in different areas of the house so you could take a quick swig as many times as possible to make sure that when people ask how they can help, Maybe tell them you don't need any more clothes for this baby. The baby is not going to be three years old for a while. They don't, <laughs> you don't need a closet full of clothes. Maybe let's ask for grocery, grocery shopping, meal prep, something that will really practically help you to make sure you're nourished. Um, and then, you know, then we, you know, we'll talk about the environment. What does the bedroom environment look like? How can we make sure that we get the best stretches of sleep for the baby so that you can have time for us? Um, that's where, you know, feeding the baby comes in, right? If a baby is only partly feed, partly full, their sleep is not going to be consolidated because they don't have enough calories. So they're going to wake up frequently. So this is what I love with the work you guys do, which is what I lean into a lot. Like, okay, you're having the babies constantly seems to be hungry. Is there like a lactation issue going on? Is there, you know, is the child latching properly? We're talking through 
all of that, right? So it feels like it may not directly relate to sleep, but it actually does 100% relate to sleep. So, um, and then finally, focus on self-care for the mom, right? Focus on what does that look like? I'm not saying you can go for a spa massage. Well, if you can, there's nothing wrong with that. Please have someone watch the baby and go get a spa treatment. Absolutely. But what can you do practically if you're not able to do that? Like, does that look like when somebody's holding the baby, you just go and just soak in the bath for, you know, 20, 30 minutes and read a good book? Does that look like lighting a candle before bed and getting into your most comfortable PJs just to really, again, um, really recenter yourself and um, and pour into your own self and make sure that you're filling your cup. So um, a lot goes into supporting moms during this period because, yes, it is. It is it is a challenging but a beautiful time. I feel like um, once you have that lack of sleep, um, mm. it makes it more and more difficult to fall asleep when you're overtired. Um, mm. And I remember reading about um, you know, creating a, a cave for yourself in your bedroom with, you know, darkened, uh, curtains and no screens, maybe read a magazine that has a shorter articles or something to help you kind of wind down. Um, is, is that how, even if it's for 20 minutes where you're laying there, lying there, closing your eyes, but, but somehow to wind down the system. Yeah. Yeah. So I usually share this acronym that I um that I made just in terms of what are things that you can just like check off in terms of practical ways to get good sleep. Because you're right, you might actually have the time to say, okay, I'm gonna go to sleep, and then you get there and you're just not able to. So, you know, most times we'll refer to them as sleep hygiene. I usually talk to about creating restful sleep habits. So create is the acronym. So C stands for having a consistent sleep time and wake time. I mean, for a, a newborn mom, and that's the beauty of this, you can adapt it to what situation. So you might not have a consistent sleep time and wake time just yet as a mom of a newborn. Um, but then how can you apply maybe a consistent wake up time, maybe, you know, or maybe having that routine. So R starts for routine. And so these are two or three calming activities that help wind you wind down so yes reading a, a magazine reading a book listening to some music having a very nice scented candle and having a, a, a bath all those things can be part of your routine or examples and you could try what works for you and then e stands for that environment yes so that's that cool dark cave where the temperature is um supportive of sleep so lower temperatures help better sleep um, making sure that your room is very dark because that helps to promote your brain's production of melatonin which is the sleep hormone and then noise right so you may need a white noise machine or earplugs well no you, can, you shouldn't probably have earplugs because you want to hear the baby but <laughs> you know you want to make sure that any ambient noise or any external noise is not going to be disruptive of your sleep I think that's important and then T is technology and you know I, I totally get it sometimes especially as a newborn mom you have a you know you feel cut off from the rest of the world so you want to say okay finally I get a, a little me time let me catch up on Instagram or TikTok but if it's going to come at the expense of you getting good sleep, I would say you'd have to be 
careful about setting limits about how to use how you use that. And then um, E stands for what to eliminate. So caffeine is a stimulant. So caffeine is going to stay in your system for a while. It's going to make your sleep disrupted. So you may want to not do that. Um, alcohol is sedating, uh, but it actually disrupts our sleep quality. And, you know, it, it, it really zonks you out. So you probably don't want to take alcohol too close to bedtime. And then heavy meals, spicy meals, anything that can disrupt your sleep at all, you want to try to eliminate that from your diet. So those are just some practical um, tips. I would say something else that would help is if there is also, if there's a partner or a spouse at home that's sharing those responsibilities, splitting up those tasks, that especially the nighttime too, maybe nighttime feeding, somebody takes one shift, so that the other person gets a little bit of a stretch of sleep. Uh, that is a game changer. That's um, in every consult I do. I just have yeah. one this morning and we talked about this. Exactly. And like said, the earplugs. I actually encourage this mother. I, you know, I said, listen, if your if your family's there or your husband yeah. is there, put earplugs in. Mm. They'll come get you if they need yeah. you. I promise. Because sometimes yeah. we do need, like I always joke, like they're here a little. And the baby, you know, they wake up, you yeah, know, yeah, any little yeah. noise that they make, I yeah. said, they will come get you. And so I yeah. encourage someone else is watching the baby. Yeah. And so they can get some rest. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's perfect. Honestly, I think that is so important um, because babies actually, that's the other thing. Babies are very active sleepers. And so many of these women are already like, you know, anxious. So sometimes the baby's moving through sleep state cycles. And they may just actually let out a cry. And that's one of the things I always say. Yeah, I always say, I want you to practice the pause. Because yeah. when you try to rescue this baby every time they're trying to just connect from one sleep stage to the other, you're going to find out you're rescuing them <laughs> when they become toddlers. Practice right. the pause. They yeah. may just have that brief noise and it's still they're still asleep. So really not rushing as soon as possible. And yeah, when you have somebody else that's helping to watch the baby, that definitely takes a lot of the weight off. Yeah. And Louisa is a holistic sleep coach and obviously dealing with babies um, and your create uh, method sounds similar to creating that good sleep hygiene for babies too. Yeah. We talk about, you know, white noise and having a routine. I mean, even with a newborn, we start with, you know, one or two things and that could be a bath, a diaper change. I, I encourage parents early on, like have a song or a prayer or something that, and you just, you add on as they get older to this, this, you know, habit. And it just, it just, it often just comes in itself. It's not so thought out. But if you start really early, even with a newborn, and I always joke, my husband would always be like, I don't know what song to sing. And he would just sing like the ABCs. And I'm like, that's okay. Like, mm -hmm. you know that song when you're tired, and it just comes out. And, and as they get older, it's great because you've taught them their ABCs. But having that, you know, having that sound or you were like, you know, even using the same, you know, hand lotion on your hands when you're putting your, all these little things can connect babies mm. as they get older to sleep so 
So mm-hmm. yeah, I, as you were saying all of those things, I was like, these are all the things we talk about, you know, mm-hmm. having a quiet time before bedtime, mm-hmm. you know, people often think like a bath mm-hmm. is like part of the bedtime routine. For some children, a bath is a party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, exactly. your child is like, what? this is great. I said, you know, maybe we should do that earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. Maybe not have that as part of the bedtime routine because it's mm-hmm. kind of hyping them up when we're looking mm-hmm. to kind of calm them down. So yeah, as you mm-hmm. as said, as you were saying all these things, I was like, yep, yep, mm-hmm. yep. Atmosphere, dark, uh, you know, I think room darkening shades, especially as we head into the spring, we're yeah. going to see a lot of parents with, you know, at 7 p.m. and be like, bedtime. And their kids are like, what are you mm-hmm. talking about? It's light out. Ah. If you're used to this dark environment at bedtime it, and room darkening shades and I, the family I had this morning, I said, when it's 7 a.m. and you're up and you say, good morning. It's morning and open the blinds and make it a big mm-hmm. deal. Your baby's six days old, but mm-hmm. you're starting this habit now that you mm-hmm. have your 12 hours a day, 12 hours of dark. It right now, it's not going to change anything. Mm-hmm. They're going to wake at nights. It's just biological. It's how it's going to work. But it's a great mm-hmm. habit to get yourself and your baby into. I think to mm-hmm. just like you were saying, it just moves on and they eventually their their rhythm kicks in. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. And I think a lot of times we, as parents, we do all these things for our kids. Like we have the perfect routine. The bedroom looks like a haven, right? And then for us, it's like, oh yeah, whatever. And then we wonder why we're not able to sleep. So yeah, (laughs) that is so true. Yeah. We should add that that into your classes. Do it for yourself too. Not just. I never even thought of that. And I've often said it to parents who you know, you have, you were saying earlier that parent thinks they can do everything. And for some sitting in like a messy room just gives them anxiety and gives them frustration. They have to get up. And I'm like, just have one room in your house that's clean. Yeah. And if you need oh, to yeah. go into that room and sit in peace and say, oh, this is a clean room. Like if I, yeah. I could live amongst the toys on the floor and then it didn't bother yeah. me. But for some people that's very anxiety yeah. inducing and, that, and that's where they feel yeah. like I have to get up and I have to clean. But even letting your partner know, like mm-hmm. I just need, like even at the end of the day, we just throw everything in a basket, like just mm-hmm. to, and clear off the table. Like having mm-hmm. just little things like that can really mm-hmm. mentally help you kind of not be yeah. so overwhelmed with everything because we are mm-hmm. feeling like I think social media is really kicking yeah. some moms tushies out there of you know these people who come on and their hair's done and their makeup's done and their house is mm-hmm. clean and you're like that's not real and I think mm-hmm. we're getting that in our brains of that's what we should be doing mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's true and don't go into the kitchen yeah <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> that's one room that you know it's just hard to not want to clean or do or wash that dish or whatever but you're right wash the dishes from the last meal and prepare for the next yeah Yeah, exactly yeah yeah (laughs) so when you say sleep medicine that makes me think of medication so do you use medication in your practice yes i do actually but i think it's all about the context so you know the art of sleep medicine is really about promoting overall sleep health 
um, when people think about sleep medicine, people usually would think, oh, maybe it's sleep apnea or it's not. But it encompasses everything. So what you're talking about, it encompasses the routines and setting kids up because what you're what you're doing what your team is doing really is building the right foundation so that they don't end up with me right of course i'm here to help you know but if we set that foundation right and they've done studies looking at this like when babies when parents have you know routines and schedules and they actually teach their children to sleep independently from when they're young they are able to hold on to those skills throughout their growing up stages most times even if they're ups and downs but it really puts them at a point where they are not really struggling with sleep issues compared to those who never really had that consistency so I think that's the way, the way we I look at it is, you know, globally, how is your sleep? And when we talk about sleep, you know, we're talking not just the quality or uh, the quantity of sleep. So there are guidelines about how much sleep we need to get. But we're also focusing on the sleep quality. And so that sleep quality really is where a lot of my work lies. Um, because if you're waking up tired, if you're feeling excessively sleepy during the day, um, Despite getting enough sleep, uh, quantity, right? Then we need to figure out what is going on. So that might be a medical sleep disorder. So the sleep apnea, the narcolepsy, the you know restless leg syndrome, um, the hormonal changes, right? Uh, and so those are things that we can work on. It could be that you are on medications, and that's what's affecting your sleep. Now, there are some situations where like with patients who maybe have insomnia and it, the insomnia is so severe, um, there are times when we need to start them on medication. But actually, our gold standard and our first line treatment for insomnia is what you call cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. So that's CBTI. And really, we're dealing with the thoughts, the behaviors, the patterns, the, uh, the actions around sleep and really changing that. And that usually takes about a, a six-week, in my program, it's about a six-week program where we're working on all those things to reestablish your sleep confidence. And now, so if I have a... Oh, yeah. No, go ahead. Now, if I have a mom who, you know, she, she doesn't even feel safe anymore because she's so tired because she's not sleeping, yeah, I may end up starting her on, a, on some medication while, just to kind of take the edge off while we work on getting her the tools she, need for, she needs for sleep. And then, you know, such some children, we may need to put them on medication. It's not really medication, more of melatonin and some of these supplements because they've been shown to, especially in children who maybe have ADHD or autism, that has been shown to be uh, helpful. Uh, you know, if, if you have narcolepsy, you need to be put on a stimulant or some medication for that as well. And then, uh, you know, restless leg syndrome or leg movements and restless sleep, we sometimes do need to put on medication. So there are a few um, a number of conditions. I think it's important if you notice in the first step is one, am I getting enough sleep? Well, if you're not, then let's work on getting you enough sleep. And then the second question is, well, I think I'm getting enough sleep or my child is getting enough sleep, but we're still having a lot of issues. We're still tired, sleepy during the day. Then that will be a prompting to get evaluated for an underlying sleep uh, disorder because, uh, or sleep, or sleep quality and sleep disorders have been associated with a lot of um, negative impact on our mental health and immune system, heart health, and so many other things. 
And, and do you see that also, I guess, with behavior? In oh. adults, I always joke, you know, my husband's a little sleepy. He's crabby, right? But yeah. children, how many children, toddlers, school-age kids are, are you know, bad, quote-unquote, bad kids? Mm -hmm. Just gosh darn tired. And if yeah. they could get some good sleep, be it, you know, too much screen time or, or some mm -hmm. other, you know, medical reasoning, I think we, we see a lot of, like, these kids that we think are bad kids and they're yeah. just tired. Oh, right? yeah. Um, and I could tell you, I've had kids that were already diagnosed as having ADHD, um, you know, about to be put on medications. Now, I'm not saying they you, do they have it, maybe, but then it was, they had severe sleep issues. And so that was really what was driving it. Because when children, are, that's the interesting thing. Now, when an adult is sleepy or tired or is struggling with poor sleep, the daytime effect is sleepiness so you may find yourself nodding off you may find yourself you know just being really grumpy and a little more subdued kids are overtired and when they're overtired they're hyper so they may yeah. have focus issues attention issues they may be very impulsive they may be very reactive they may be very disruptive but it's because they're overtired so they're trying to keep themselves awake but those exact symptoms are yeah, the right. symptoms yeah. of ADHD. Yeah, right. Right? And so it's easier to say, okay, let's just give him a pill and let's let's keep going. Or let's just write notes and letters to the parents. Uh, right. or, or let's let's kick them in. Oh, maybe he doesn't fit into the school model. Right? Mm -hmm. We have to go deeper. How is your sleep? How is your nutrition? How all those things. Um, and really pay attention to that. So thanks for yeah. bringing that up. I think sleep, nutrition, and exercise are the key to everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. I see it in my grandchildren. They well, are... I think we talk... Go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> you go ahead. Oh, I think what, what you were saying, sleep, nutrition, um, exercise, like these are all the things that, you know, when someone's having any, uh, some, some mental health, you know, with depression or anxiety, these are the things that were, that's often suggested or get better sleep, eat better um, get some exercises, which is three things that just most new parents just aren't having. Mm -hmm. And like you said earlier, I think just, you know, getting out and, you know, Colette and I are big walkers in the morning and sometimes it's mm -hmm. not sunny or the sun isn't out when, when we're walking. It's fairly early in the morning, but mm -hmm. just getting out and getting fresh air. And like, I'm mm -hmm. seeing the beginning of a sunrise at this point. Um, it is, I am a different person if I walk mm -hmm. in the morning and, and and get fresh air. Don't you agree, Colette? Like, it's a sense of yes. accomplishment. And I think not everybody's a morning person. And I never was until the last few years of my life. But, like, what a difference it makes. So even like mm -hmm. you're saying, I say to parents, I'm like, even if you can just walk to the end of your driveway and walk back, mm -hmm. get some fresh. And then, yes, it's cold. We walk, it's 15 degrees out and it, that's not for everybody. I understand okay. that. But getting fresh air, I think it, it mentally, men, my mental health is better if I get outside mm -hmm. and I get some fresh air. Yeah, I think that's difficult with new parents because you don't want to bring your baby out in freezing cold weather or raining weather or you know rainy weather. And so like, where else do you go? The Maybe meet up, meet up at the mall and walk with friends or something like that. But that gets old too. Um, so yeah, I think the weather puts a limit when you have a new baby on, on your ability to get out yeah. the door. I know yeah. I personally like 
between 4 a.m. and the time I start work, I've had probably a full day of activity. <laughs> so usually at 2.30, I'm doing yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. and so I, but I think that you bring up a very important point I think it's important to also know yourself rather than trying to force yourself into a mold imagine knowing that your energy you feel like your boost of energy after you walk in the morning and then you're trying to do a lot of the cognitive work in the morning and trying to walk in the evening like you'll find out that your day is dragging so it's really important to really know and everybody's so different like some yeah. people prefer to walk out in the morning to work out in the morning. Some prefer midday, some prefer um, later on in the day. I just recommend not too late in the day, like not too close to bedtime because then you're like wired and excited and it may be a little bit harder to sleep. Well, that's, these are some really great tips. Um, one other question that I thought was kind of interesting that I had, um, have there been, um, has sleep medicine evolved um, over the years? Or, or I, I, when I think of it, I think of sleep apnea and, you know, mm -hmm. and that's it. So were all of these other factors involved in sleep medicine in the past? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, so much. There's been a lot of change um, because there's been so much research and you know, sleep is having a moment. That's what one of my friends say. Because yeah. <laughs> many people are becoming more aware of the impact of poor sleep and how it affects them. So there's been just a huge uptake when it comes to research. And that's that's driving our treatments. So remember I told you that, like, if you have insomnia, previously, a lot of times people were just resorting to medications right away. Well, now we know that, okay, there are some other strategies we can use. Um, with even sleep apnea, there's so many now treatment options where before everybody just thought the only th option I have is CPAP. Well, oral appliances, positional therapy, malfunctional therapy, um, you know, weight loss, bariatric surgery. There's so many other options now. So things have definitely evolved. Um, and even with schools, right? Like, early school start times. Now we have so much research showing that this is actually dangerous for our teenagers to be starting school at 7 a.m. because they are still sleepy. It is wrong. They're not learning anything at 8 at um, 7.30 a.m. They're not. They're asleep. Most of them are asleep. So there's research now that's showing that, yeah, it increases their mood disorders, um, increases accident risks, increases a poor a risk of poor decision-making. So a lot of that is shaping how we manage and how we approach um, treatments in sleep medicine. That's really interesting. Um, and so your services, uh, you do one-on-one -on -one, uh, virtually mm -hmm. with families, um, and then you have a sleep clinic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my sleep clinic is I offer both virtual and in-person uh visits so the virtual visits are like this you get on we talk through we get a room assessment because sometimes you know parents have no clue but some of the light sources or the way things are positioned in the room can contribute to their child sleep issues um, but we also have those services in person because in some situations um, families may prefer to be seen in person so we do offer both uh, options that's great do you want to talk about the price <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
and it, depending on what time the um the, this gets aired, if there's any change. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, my initial consultations are I'm not I'm not in uh, network with insurances yet. I have a handful few that I might get into insurances. So depending on when this is aired, I think make a I offer a free virtual appointment, a free meet and greet to tell you more. So things might have changed, but right now, usually an initial. Uh, assessment is $400. It's a 90-minute long, very comprehensive evaluation because we're looking at medical problems, behavioral problems, other things that could be going on. Um, and then, you know, the follow-up visits will vary depending on what condition is going on. So if you're going through um, my insomnia program or the behavioral sleep program, that's a little bit different than, you know, a one-time office consultation or a second opinion. So that all varies. But I think the best thing too is, you know, if you're curious and you're like, well, the sleep thing, something is off, is to make that initial complimentary call um, by going to our website at therestfulsleepplace.com or, or calling our phone number 215-607-8297. And then I'll be able to guide you into, okay, this is the best plan for you. This is what I think. I think you should do. And I'll have a link to that in the bio portion of today's episode. Well, yeah. this was truly interesting and what a cool field to be into and to be yeah. able to help yeah. people feel human again. Uh, <laughs> and children, because, you know, I, I hate all these kids on medication. Sometimes that's warranted, but I feel like the mm. food and the sleep have such an mm. integral part. So I'm, I'm glad you're doing mm. this work. Do you have any final words before we go? Yeah, I mean, I would just say to that, especially with the audience that you you serve and the community you serve to say, don't, don't, um, don't do life alone. Really, there's help available. And it may feel so exhausting and tiring. And you're wondering if it's worth it and things like that. But I would say just reach out for help. Um, the pillars uh, that we've talked about that like Colette highlighted sleep, nutrition and exercise. Of course, that's the, those are the first three to go <laughs> when you have yeah, a newborn, yeah. but actually find ways to gently and graciously bring them back because they're so foundational and, um, you know, it will help you be the best version of yourself for your baby and for yourself. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. That was great. Thanks for listening to The Feeding Frenzy. The BRC is a nonprofit organization committed to providing expert clinical and educational breastfeeding services. Find out more about us at breastfeedingresourcecenter.org.